Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to Just The Facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip To The Movies, where each week a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search A Trip to the Movies with Alex Zane or head to our socials at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod to find out more. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to episode six of Just the Facts. I'm Alex Zane. So today for episode six, I am joined live from Los Angeles by the Lego Batman movie director, Chris McKay, to talk about his first live action feature, The Tomorrow War, which you might have seen by now. It came out on Amazon on Friday, so you could have watched it over the weekend. Then again, maybe you haven't. Maybe you went to the park instead. Let me fill you in just in case. Chris Pratt's scientist is conscripted into service to be sent to the future to fight in a war against an alien army known as the White Spikes. Big movie, big original sci-fi, some spectacular action sequences and some pretty terrifying creatures. A quick reminder before we get into the chat today, uh, if you do want to watch this interview rather than listen to it, you can head over to our YouTube channel, Just The Facts with Alex Zane, where it'll be up in a few days time. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at JTFpod. All right, then let's get into this. Please welcome to episode six of Just The Facts, the excellent Chris McKay. Uh, Mr. Chris McKay, how are you? Good, how are you? You know what, I'm good. Thank you for asking. I- I'm all right. I'm really excited about talking to you. So um, congratulations, man. The Tomorrow War. It's got a lot in it, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. like we've got time travel, alien invasion, a kind of semi-dystopian reality where conscription is a thing. So many sci-fi elements. I'm going to go ahead and assume you're a sci-fi fan. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's, that's the same assumption to make. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up on, you know, John Carpenter movies and Steven Spielberg movies and, and James Cameron movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Those that's star Wars and all that kind of thing. I guess, I guess for me, what's really exciting is the fact that in this day and age, like the Tomorrow Wars are a rare beast because this is, this is a big budget sci-fi movie that is an original idea. Like this isn't based on any existing IP. I mean, that's, that's kind of huge right now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's a, you know, that's what was the original appeal to me when it, when it came across uh, my desk was, uh, that it was an original sci-fi movie, that it didn't wasn't attached to anything else. I mean, you get a lot of stuff, you get, you know, opportunities to work on all sorts of, uh, you know, all sorts of movies, and, but generally a lot of them are sequels or they're based on a video game or based on something else, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But to be able to read a script that was original, uh, that, that, that combined both sort of uh, genre, A story, external, conflict stuff with a, with a really well told human drama, character study, B story, internal conflict, uh, the dovetail together, uh, thematically that was to me was, uh, you know, to Zach Dean's, the, you know, draft of the script that I read was, uh, that was, that was a real gift to be able to get that. I mean, something that I, as, as somebody who, you know, grew up watching eighties, action movies and sci-fi movies and genre movies and horror movies and comedies. And, and, and then also in the nineties watched, you know, Soderbergh movies and Alison Andrews movies and, and, you know, and indie films. And so, and, you know, as a college student, so I got to be able to meld something that felt something that melded those two things together on some level. That to me was really exciting. I, I guess it fascinates me. Like, like, was it this script that that made like the got the the money there to make this? Because like, I keep going on about it, but it is it's rare. Like, did people just see this script and go, right, we are we're going to pump like whatever, one hundred and fifty million, however much it cost, into this movie? Was it all based on Zach Dean's script? It was the script and Chris Pratt. You know, they, they attached they they got Chris Pratt to attach to the movie fairly early on. So so Chris had read the script and liked it and liked it enough to want to, you know, executive produce it and things like that. So, so the fact that Chris, uh, was committed to the movie, uh, believed in Zach's script, uh, and, and had a window of time between, you know, imagine a guy like that's pretty busy with <laughs> the world and Marvel movies and, and things like that, let alone his own, you know, projects that he's developing and that kind of thing, terminal list and all that. So, so to have a window with him and to have him be excited about this thing and, and, and believe in it, that's, that's the thing that got everyone, but still, even then, I, you know, it, it was not, it, even with, you know, Chris involved, we still had to, you know, you still had to present uh, a compelling case for this movie in order to get the, you know, to get the budget for it. I mean, it's it's a movie that like I mean it where I think it's fair to say it wears its influences on its sleeve like you know it's I mean there's like there's like you say there's uh, elements of the thing in there which I love uh, <laughs> a little bit of Prometheus I love that movie uh, you know some some Independence Day Terminator obviously a bit of Edge of Tomorrow so it's like this this wonderful sort of uh, yeah I hate to use the word masher but it's it's got a lot going on I often uh, I probably bang on about this about too much but one of the other influences that I, I think um, I think this film does really well. Like my favorite sci-fi movie, we're, we're not too far apart in age. So I imagine this was a big one for you, but aliens to me is the greatest oh. sci-fi movie ever made. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Will you concur? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
And I think what alien, what every time I rewatch it, I'm amazed at how much you get to know that group of Marines with yeah. Yeah. like often in one line, like one line. And you're like, I get that character. Now yeah. in, in that film, they are starting like you at least have the base level that you're the viewer and you go, they're Marines. So I yeah. get that. So anything yeah. on top of that, I've at least got that base level. Now you do the same thing in uh, the tomorrow war. But you're dealing, you don't even have the Marines baseline to work from. These are just regular people that we don't know anything about. So you yeah. are you delivering sort of character for the audience with minimal dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of this is casting, right? Like, you know, and, and you know, and, and, uh, which I, I'm a huge Aliens fan, huge James Cameron fan in general, but Aliens in particular. I mean, the whole, my, my whole, the Zach Dean script didn't have any comedy in the movie. There was no, there was very, it was, it was, you know, it was definitely, was the the bleaker aspects of the movie are you know are were you know were, were have run through the entire film um uh and i knew that we needed to have some some relief from that and aliens with bill paxton uh game over man we're fucked <laughs> you know i don't know if you're paying attention we just got our asses kicked back there like yeah where, where comedy comes out of character comedy comes out of of the situation out of relationships out of the characters you know ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances that was really important to me to bring in, into the movie so that's so so just that just that informed how I cast people like looking for, you know, Sam Richardson was initially part of my pitch. Like when I pitched myself to the studio, I, you know, I had a key keynote presentation that ended with a slide. that was a picture of Sam. And I said, regardless of whether you hire me or not, you have to hire, you have to hire this guy to play Charlie because you need somebody, you know, Chris got the way to the, the family drama and, 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 the, and his own sort of, you know, character study stuff. So he's got the weight of that. He'll be funny and Chris will do his thing, but like you need somebody, you need somebody else who in this army of the ordinary is just an ordinary person who's relatable and can, and is, you know, Sam's a great, Sam's amazing as an actor. He's amazing as a comedy generator. So you just need somebody like that. So literally, even if you don't hire me, hire this guy because he's going (laughs) to, he's going to kill for you. And then it was from there, it was like, you know, hiring Mary Lynn, hiring Mike Mitchell, you know, like looking at other people who, like you said, just, you can just see them or you get some one line or two lines out of them and you get a little bit, and we had more stuff. I mean, just by nature of movies like this, you end up having a, you know, you you don't want this movie to be, you know, over two hours, you know, as much as possible. You want to try to keep it, keep it tight. So there was stuff that we had shot that were, you know, added more, uh, you know, layers and backstory and things like that. But ultimately, you know, you do from a casting standpoint, from a performance standpoint, when Mary Lynn's on screen, you get what her deal is when Mike's, you know, and she and Mike are playing off each other, you get their deal. Um, yeah. We're just really lucky to, to find people like that and, and who also wanted to be in a, you know, in a badass action movie. It's funny, it's funny that you say um, about how you, you added the humor because the script was quite bleak. I was, uh, I was reading about Zach Dean. I found a little, a little quote from him. Uh, and he, he says, uh, Chris McKay uh, as the director and then the cast, they did things with this film, which when you read that is terrifying. That sounds like a, <laughs> doesn't sound like the next part of the sentence is going to go well, does it? <laughs> right? That sounds like a. Future, I would be saying that I don't think this is going to go. This is going to go. Gonna go very well. 
it's, it's funny. I read that. I was like, here we go. There is a writer who is not happy with the changes made to his, his baby. Uh, but no, he goes on to say exactly what you said. He said that they were able to hit this impossibly perfect to, to, uh, tone. The film has gravity, but they have that cast. So it's able to find the humor in this. That's one of the things I couldn't have hoped for better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think movies like this, especially when you know, you're talking about a budget, you know, you need to, you need to have, uh, you need to look at pace, right? You need to look at tone very carefully when you're doing something like this. You need, you, you need to evolve the tone. You know, the, the, this movie has chapters, you know, when you sort of stand back and look at it and the tone of those chapters needs to sort of be, you know, consistent, but evolving so that, um, so that you don't, so the movie just doesn't kind of like collapse under its own weight, its own, you know, own, own sort of self-seriousness maybe. Um, but, uh, but give the audience a little something, a little break, you need a little break. And you also need to, you know, keep the action scenes intense, but sometimes you need to pull back from that intensity for a second, whether that's for comedy, whether that's just to sort of let the character marinate in a performance in a scene, whatever. So, um, so to me, that's the, 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 is you're always kind of like, it's like a clutch. You're always kind of like trying to, you know, kind of like operate, you know, move, move, uh, you know, move delicately through some of this stuff and, and be really attuned to what an audience uh, is going through and what an audience needs. Uh, in order for the movie to play. I mean, I, I tell you one of the, the scariest things. I, I, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the white spikes because uh, fucking hell, man. <laughs> that's uh, something, huh? That's, uh, that's, uh, that's an alien fear. Uh, but before we talk about the white spikes, you know what really scares me about it? It's this, uh, it's this reality. So it's, you know, set, I'm guessing, roughly around the present day, maybe the very near future, the reality that we find ourselves in before they go to the future. And it's this idea that I think we all take for granted, like the freedom that we have now and the government is there, but they don't really tell us what to do too much. And yeah. it's the conscription idea. That, yeah. That's a terrifying conceit that you can just be walking yeah. around your daily life and suddenly you are told no option. You are going to fight in a war that you have very little chance of survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that we shot more stuff of people protesting of, you know, of sort of like the way that the, you know, the world is uh, affected by this, that, 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 you know, that idea and, and how we sort of, you know, pay for a war that's not our war and all that stuff. It got very, it was one of the things that as we shot this movie before COVID, but it was one of the things that as a result of editing this movie during COVID that the studio kind of pulled back from a little bit, because I think it was a little, it got a little too close to like, I was going to say, bringing the real world kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, debates in, in, you know, uh, it was oddly prescient in a way that was not, uh, not clearly not intended. Um, yeah. But it was, but it was, but that, that was the only thing that the studio ever, uh, you know, I think that's probably the only thing the studio ever really got cold feet on was that was like pulling back on, on that stuff because it just, it just got so, especially at the time we were finished, we were finishing cutting this movie in, you know, December, January of this past year. So it was like, you know, so you can just imagine with, you know, the, the, and especially in the States, but around the world, you know, uh, the way people were feeling at the time and stuff like yeah. that. Like it was, you know, uh, it was says- the right decision to make. It's certainly the first time in my lifetime where the government have been telling you, you have to wear a mask. You have to stay two meters apart. You have to obey this lockdown. And then I was watching the movie going, shit, that's that's nuts. Yeah, it's it's oddly close to what we've just been through or, you know, Mm. I'm just going to go through it. 
And so, I mean, obviously, this is <laughs> this is your first live action movie. Uh, uh, you you come from a, an animation background, um, the Lego Batman movie. Was, was this always a long term plan? Like you you always saw animation, and then you 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 wanted to do live action. Yeah, uh, you know, look, I love animation, and I'm you know, I, I'm never not going to want to do animation, and I think every filmmaker who has an opportunity to try to do something in animation because it's, it's filmmaking in slow motion and it's a really great uh, place to really think about what, you know, how much, you know, what, what you need in the scene, how much information you can pack in a scene because um, animation is expensive. And so you really, you know, you really have to, um, you know, get as much out of every single scene as humanly possible. So it's a great training ground to go into, to go into live action. Um, and, but I've always wanted, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, I, I, you know, my first movies were Bambi and, and Snow White and all the you know, Disney movies that they re-released uh, every seven years. Um, and those were big, you know, emotional uh, influences on me. And then Star Wars and, and, and Superman and Raiders and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, right today, you, when you're doing a movie like this, it is kind of a hybrid uh, because you are ha having an animation background and being able to talk to the actors about the white spikes and develop, a, you know, animatics and previs and all that stuff. That's very much like an animated process. And you are engaging people, you know, in a voiceover booth, you're engaging people's imaginative resources because you're kind of creating this whole world and the scene around them. And on set, even though, yes, there's explosions and there's, you know, muzzle flash and, and blanks and, and people are running around, you're running around with a camera or an edge camera chasing people and stuff like that. Like you are also engaging them in an imaginative play because you are sort of saying, Oh, there's a white spike down there and it's running over there. So as you're running, shoot that way, shoot this way, maybe duck a couple of times. <laughs> you know, so you are kind of like cops and robbers, you know, sort of playing like that kind of thing with, with, with a bunch of actors. So, um, and, and like I said, and previsiting that. So you're sort of working with the team that's going to put all those things in there. And then the white spikes are a character. So you are working like you are working with an, with an animation team to, to build life into these creatures, to have a backstory to the creatures is how, how, how they came into the scene. So you are working a lot like it is, you know, like it is animation and then trying to render it to make it look real, to make it look photo real. Like what we were trying to do with the Lego movies, try to make it look as photo real, make it look like real Lego as possible. Possible. We're trying to make it, the white spikes look as photo real as humanly possible. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been a part of the plan, you know, as far as like wanting to do this sort of thing, but I'll never not want to make an animated movie. I will always want to try to find a way to do that. And all of the stuff that I learned in animation is exactly what you need when you're on set for a movie like this. Because uh, obviously the Lego Batman movie, like I said, it's, it's such a great film, and it's um, and there, uh, there, there was going to be a sequel, but it's like, a Dan, am I right in thinking Dan Harmon was going to find some time while delivering seventy episodes of Rick and Morty yeah, to yeah. Uh, <laughs> to yeah. write a sequel? Yeah, I can assure Rick and Morty fans that he's that he he did not he did not spend uh, uh, so much time working on the Lego Batman movie that he, <laughs> that he, that he ignored uh, the Rick and Morty uh, need that he had. That he had you had to do. He and Michael Waldron wrote a really great draft of a uh, of a of a uh, you know so it's a Lego Batman movie sequel, but it was going to be called something like Lego Super Friends, and it was going to be about ba Batman's relationship with 
Superman and the Justice League and it would, it would, the structure um, and, and not that I'm saying it as the quality of a movie like this, but the structure was Godfather 2, where you are you're in the past with Batman, young Batman, young Superman forming the Justice League. Uh, you're seeing a very different version of Batman at that time. You're seeing a very interesting version of Superman and Superman and Lois Lane in the world. And then, and then at the same time, you're dealing with their relationships now and their fractured relationship now while they're trying to deal with Lex Luthor and OMAC and a bunch of other supervillain. Uh, it, it was going to be a really fun special movie. And yeah, lot, lots wow. of stuff for people who love DC and uh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Now, now that you've told me that, I, I'm more disappointed than I was. So while I appreciate all oh, that information, it's that kind of... It's kind of kind of upsetting now. Uh, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't get to interview you, but I, I met Will Arnett for... Uh, I interviewed him for the, the Lego Batman movie. And hmm. uh, I, I, I'm not joking when I say, you know, he's, he's, it's between him and Keaton. Uh, for my greatest on-screen Batman, I oh, think really? he's. Wow, that's yeah. Holy cow, that's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. I, love yeah, it. I, I did. I did at one point try to convince the studio that you know, with Will and with Michael Sarah and with Rosario and with Rafe, we could have just done a live-action version of the movie <laughs> with the, like, just do a live-action version of the Batman of the Lego Batman movie, um, and it would have been uh, just. All, they were all kind of the right cast for, you know, they're all kind of like age appropriate ish, you know, and, and uh, uh, it would have been a lot. Of, it's like, why don't we just do this movie as a live action uh, thing? Also, let's 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 do it with both. Um, yeah, the, 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 Will and that's one of the funniest people. I uh, it's such a privilege to work with him. He's he's amazing. Yeah, he yeah, he's, he's incredible. Um, look, we can't talk about Batman. I, I know it's been sort of long gestating in your mind, but the Nightwing movie yeah. um, often talked about. What's, it, what's the status, man? Yeah, I, you know, it's a movie that I really want to make. You know, I mean, obviously the, you know, DC and Warner Brothers have gone through, uh, you know, a bunch of ups and downs, uh, you know, recently. And so Nightwing has not been a priority for them. They, they definitely mm -hmm. have had, you know, they, you know, they, they had the, this Matt Reeves's Batman, you know, hopefully knock on wood trilogy of movies. Um, uh, the, you know, the, the Joker movie, things like that. Those things that were, you know, those things were priority as well as the Aquaman flash and everything else that they've been, been working on. So, and I get it. And I'm, I'm also just hoping that, you know, once uh, tomorrow war comes out and they see, you know, sort of, you know, think of the time they only knew me through, Lego Batman and they liked what I, you know, I'd done with that, but then they also liked, you know, what we were working on with the script. But I, I think that they, they had other, they had other marquee characters that they needed to service in sure. a whole world that they needed to sort out and, and also go through a regime change, uh, several regime changes, uh, there for, uh, both at, you know, big Warner brothers, but also in the, the people who were directly involved in DC. So, uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of, it's it's been a lot of stuff, and I'm hoping that with with Tomorrow War coming out and uh, a movie that is, you know, big in scope and big in heart, they can see kind of like what version of Nightwing we could put together. And I, I'm I'm hoping that, that that they'll every single person asks me about Nightwing, every, every everybody asks me about Nightwing. So there is massive interest, yeah, um, about about that character. And I think um, even if they don't make it with me, they would they would be crazy not to make a great Nightwing movie because it's just, it's all there and they can make something really great. 
And are you are you ready to go? Like, do you know what your movie is? If they turn around tomorrow and went, let's 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 do this. Yeah. We have a great script, and we have, uh, and and I think for them, it's it's the perfect uh, movie for the for where they're at with the kinds of movies they're doing right now. And it's also not a huge, it's not a massive budget movie. It's not it's not some astronomical. So you can cast it with a you know with an interesting you know cast. You don't need to have. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. You know, a huge, huge movie star to, to do it. Uh, so, um so there's so yeah, and it's a real it's a real uh, uh, stripped down movie with uh, you know uh, a different point of view of Batman. You're going, you're seeing you're seeing a young you're a guy who grew up under Batman's tutelage, who's now an adult. Um, it's it's a father and son story, and it's a father. Mm-hmm. It's a story about a, a you know a father that might have been a difficult from from. Day- point of view might have been a difficult you know relationship so yeah it, to me it's a uh, uh yeah it's ready to go and it should be it would be a really great addition to the stuff they're doing 
Hey, my desk is made of wood and I'm touching it right now. That would be amazing, yeah. man. That would be amazing. Uh, well, you know, I mean, obviously, I think the Tomorrow War is going to do uh, really well. It's it's such, I mean, I kid you not, there are action movies and then there's the Tomorrow War. It's, it's, I, I sort of like, I, it's such a vast undertaking. Was there any point where, as your first live action movie, you were like, Okay, well let's let's open big people. You know, let's, this is this is going to be my calling card. I'm going to show you what I can do. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, definitely that was part of the part of my. You know, I I, I just wanted to make a good movie. Like I, I, I want. You know, I like. I think I work better under pressure and with a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> having uh, having all of these uh, balls to juggle uh, was was probably a little bit of the design for me personally to to um, uh, really push myself and and and, uh, and and try to go for something really big in scope, but also you know it's, it gets it gets really big and then it also kind of you know kind of narrows down to a, you know the, the 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 generation the generational stories there. For so, Chris Pratt tells a funny story of, uh, of you with, a, uh, I think, a, an ice stick in each hand hiking up a glacier in Iceland going, this is what I fucking got into it for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to drag everybody in, you know, two hours of a, of a, of a glacier, uh, it's, it, will, it's, it goes back to, you know, you, you read books about the making of Empire Strikes Back or something, and they're, they're, they're you know, they're, in, they're on a glacier there, you know, the thing, you know, um, uh, in Star Wars, Tunisia, you're going, they're going around the world, you know, shooting the stuff. And I like practical sets. I like going to locations. I like shooting things in the world and dealing with the elements and making the elements, you know, all that snow drifting and and kind of like, you know, horizontal ice, you know, kind of stinging your face and stuff like that. Like all of that kind of stuff, like that's, you know, by design, you know, I wanted, I want us to have to kind of go through that because I think it just informs the performances and makes the movie feel more grounded, more real in the white spike because it's, you know, you have to now fit it into this environment. You have to figure out a way to make it more real. So yeah, that was, that was a, but yeah, it was, it was fun. At a certain point, the, the trucks kept breaking down and finally I was just like, I need, I need, just need a snowmobile. Just give me a snowmobile so I can get up to, so I can get up to the location so I can get there before everyone else and start to sort of map out the things we're going to do. And so, yeah, so at a certain point, then they just gave me my own snowmobile. Like, oh, you, you got go. a snowmobile. I, 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 like, not, I didn't think to take it home. I mean, it was, they gave me two for while we were shooting, but uh, yeah, so I did have my own snowmobile for, uh, for a few days. It's kind of because I, I mean I, Iceland. Like if you're making a movie uh, with uh, a theme that involves aliens, like Iceland's a great place to go because that place yeah. is like it's like yeah. an it is like another world. You are, you are literally uh, in another world. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's but beautiful, uh, beautiful, dangerous, uh, lovely people, um, and and yeah, just. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I want to go back as a as a tourist because you know, like you don't get it when you're working there, you don't get enough time to like in, enjoy mm-hmm. everything. So yeah, I, I, I long to go back there uh, as, as just to just to kind of live live in live in that place for a second. Yeah, no, it's 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 cool. I spent a bit of time there. I actually got to go on a glacier on a, one of those uh, ski mobile skidoos, whatever they oh, call yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's insanely fun. I got shouted at by an Icelandic guy for going too fast because you know you're just like all you can see is snow. You're like, I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm, when else am I gonna get to do this? I've seen Die Hard yeah. too. This is fun. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, he was those, like those crevasses though. I mean, that's you know that's yeah. the thing that just there. You just you, know, you got to be really careful because you can go down and 
into something and yeah, he'll never come back. Which is exactly what he said to me, but in a slightly more stern way than you just did. <laughs> yeah. Stop fucking around. Come over here. I was like, cool, 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 cool. Sorry. Uh, I'm not in Die Hard 2. I get you. Um, so, look, I touched on the white spikes. Now, in 2021, I actually think it must be kind of difficult with everything that's gone before. I mean, look, again, this is what this is. I'm telling you, this is what I do. I bang on and on about aliens. But, you know, you've got the xenomorphs in aliens and you sort of go, that's, that's an iconic monster. So, like, to actually create um, a new creature that is not just original but scary uh, mm. is is an amazing feat, and you've done that uh, with the white spikes, which I believe you were you were pretty involved in. Which I guess is good, knowing your sci-fi background, because mm. you get to tell people not to do that because that is X and that is X, yeah. and I've seen that in X. Yeah, that's that's the problem, right? Is you have enough of these images rolling around in your brain. Um, mm. You know, you, you uh, go, ah, that's a little too predator. That's a little too xenomorph. That's a little too independence day alien. You know, it's a little too species. Um, so yeah, I'm sure the, the poor designers uh, were probably very frustrated, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, basically like I was working with um, you know, a handful of people, including Ken who ended up doing the majority of the design work. Um, but the thought was like, how can I make something that feels old? That has a history to it. It has a lot of texture. I needed, I needed it to have a lot of texture to feel, uh, to feel real when it was, when it was put into the, when it was put in the scenes, uh, put in the shots. Um, I wanted it to feel hungry. I wanted it to, to feel like it just had an insatiable appetite. So that kind of design, so that kind of informed the design of how they sort of carried themselves and that kind of thing. And I wanted them to feel rotten teeth. I wanted that to feel like a dental nightmare. I kept talking about, <laughs> you know, just like fucked up teeth. And then um, uh, to have a feral intelligence, to make sure that we could understand that they would, that they were, that they communicated with each other and that they, you know, could, could run plays and, and attack their prey and that sort of thing. You yeah. say hungry. So I think like, first of all, it's uh, the, the white flesh. Uh, I love that. It's that almost translucent flesh. It's like yeah. to me, there's something uh, really prehistoric about that. Like the creatures that you see on nature documentaries that live yeah. at the bottom of the Mariana yeah. trench. Like yeah, that's um, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. Oh yeah. Well that worked. Cause that's what I yeah. thought, uh, you know, those alien life forms down in the bottom yeah. of the ocean. Um, but hungry, you see, it's like what the, the, the white spikes for me play into that really primal fear that uh, is about being eaten by something. Cause yeah. they have no grand plan. They're not like, it's not like independence day. It's like, we're here for the resources and then we're going to fuck okay. off. It's yeah. like, we just are going to eat you. And yeah. I think that I think that plays into something. And I don't think you see that very often, like where an alien is feeding, like by just devouring people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's well. It's got kind of, there's like a nightmare logic to that, right? Like, like you said, like it, it goes to a primal sort of fear hmm. and something that just has an insatiable appetite that's gonna. And it's also like because you keep shooting at it and it keeps coming at you, pieces of it could fall off, and it still is coming at you to, to eat you. Hmm. There's a to me that was like you know, there's a nightmare logic that I wanted to have to our movie that, that, that made it, you know, just went back, brought you back to that, that place, that, that yeah. place of fear of, of, of something that was just going to yeah, devour you. 
because uh, one of the worst things I, I've ever seen in in, in, a, in a movie, and it's a, I, I'm not I'm not standing up for Jaws 3D right now because you know that's a losing battle on any on any day. Uh, <laughs> however, the one thing that that movie gets right is the point of view shot from the British hunter guy when he's actually in the shark's mouth and yeah. he can he's like he knows he's dying and he can yeah. just see the jaws closing up and down yeah. in front of him. He's trying to get out. Fucks me right up. Yeah, I, re- I remember that too. I remember that. That was yeah. That was uh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was that guy. I think it was a guy who was swallowed by a whale recently. Which also, just reading that, I mean, I know it was by accident, but you like you're in a whale's mouth for forty yeah. seconds. Yeah. That's 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 my living nightmare. <laughs> um, hey, so Chris Pratt. Obviously, you've worked with him before on the Lego movies, and um, like. How was it? Was it comforting is not the right word, uh, but like having someone who like, you know, that you'd had a relationship with previously on your first like uh, live action movie must have been quite uh, reassuring is a better word. Yeah, than yeah, comforting. yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of comfort and confidence. You know, you get with somebody uh, that you've worked with a little bit, you know, and, and but Chris is just you couldn't. You know, even if I hadn't, you know, worked with him, just w- working with a guy like Chris, who's a real generous guy, a real uh deliberate, careful, uh, uh, you know, giving guy. Like he's just like, he's really invested in the movie. He's not a guy who's just kind of coming in and walking on and doing something. He really throws himself out there in every way, in, in, in every way, smart with notes. Uh, he's got great, great ideas, really playful. Um, yeah, just wants to, just wants excellence. You know, that's all he cares about. So, yeah, he, you know, he's a great partner. Couldn't ask for a better, better guy. He's got that great mix of uh, of humor and and steeliness. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, obviously, I think this is going to be uh, Harrison Ford's last Indiana Jones movie, and Chris Pratt is near the top of my list of uh, potential yeah. Indiana Joneses. What do you reckon? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Chris could Chris could kill that. You'd be amazing. Yeah. I'd love to see. I'd, I'd, I'd be the first person in line to see a Chris Pratt Indiana Jones movie. Absolutely. A hundred percent, right? Just, yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, your next project, uh, once, uh, you know, the Tomorrow War, uh, you're going on, you're going on to Renfield, right? That's, uh, that's next over at Universal. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's what's uh, hopefully directly next is doing, doing that. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. So it's a, it's an action movie. It's a horror movie. It's a comedy. Um, uh, it's a movie about codependency. It's a movie about bad bosses. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> another, another movie that's very timely. Uh, we're talking about, you know, people who are, who are, uh, who are bad, bad bosses, uh, which is, is, was in the air. This is a movie that's kind of a little bit about that, but yeah, it's, it's it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, it, to me, it's a great way into that world. Um, it's a modern, it's a modern, uh, you know, it's not set in the past. It's set in modern times. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's also got a, it's also got a couple of musical numbers. It's, it's kind of a, it's a crazy, wow. it's yeah. I, I sort of likened it the other day to the tone a little bit of like evil dead too. Like it's, oh, it's okay. kind of a go for broke movie uh, <laughs> a, a little bit. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds nuts. Uh, well, as nuts as Renfield uh, should be, really. I mean, like for 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 a lot of people, me included. Like, I, I, my only knowledge of Renfield is uh, is uh, you know, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah. and um, and Tom Waits, like like yeah. eating bugs and desperately asking for a kitten in a prison cell. Yeah. Like that's yeah. so. Uh, you sort of you have that, and you're like, and he's your lead. 
Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, how, how, do, how does that work? Yeah. So that's but, a story about this. It's a story about, you know, uh, you know, an assistant working for a, you know, a, a toxic narcissist, you know, somebody <laughs> who's, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. This, I hesitate to get, hesitate to give too much away, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun movie. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm really looking forward. I, I, you know, for, for me, it's exciting to see like you know a, a movie like that coming out of the the the, the universal stable of monsters because obviously yeah. you know there's like there's exciting things happening over there. Although I mean, like you know, on paper at least, the dark universe did sound like a good idea <laughs> initially. <laughs> um, but yeah, we may be uh, fun at, at some of that in our in our movie a little bit. So there, there may there may be there may be some of that. Good. Well, I think, I think, you know, I think that would work great for them because I think they need to be able to go, yeah, all right, fine. We hold our hands up. That was, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, Russell Crowe playing a kind of Nick Fury in a, in the dark universe. I, yeah. Uh, an intro, an interesting experiment. I think that's yeah. the, that's the way to put it. And uh, and one more movie uh, that uh, that uh, that sounds cool is uh, you're doing a Johnny Quest. Is that is that happening? Is that like is that in the is yeah, that yeah, in the we, pi pipeline? Absolutely, yeah. We turned that script into the studio uh, just literally two weeks ago, and um, it's a yeah, it's 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 in the mold of a you know a Raiders of the Lost Ark type movie, you know, um, it's, but you know a family that sort of gets stuck in a you know Raiders James Bond kind of. Uh, uh, action uh adventure movie and it's going to be um yeah it's it's definitely not like just it's it's a it's a movie that takes uh puts the kids in jeopardy puts the whole family in jeopardy it's it's like it's not a spy kids movie nothing there's nothing wrong with spy kids movie but it's just tonally it's not it's not that it's much more like stranger things or something like that or it where it's like it's not it from a horror perspective but it's just like you're it's the, the kids are in just as much danger as the adults and they're and we're and we're you know going for it it's it's imagine imagine like i said a, a family you know if, if indiana jones had a family and they were all going on the adventure that's that's kind of what this movie is so yeah I mean, you can mention it to me, and I, I mean, I know you're not saying it's a horror movie like it, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm sold on anything that's like it. Tim Curry as Pennywise. Uh, <laughs> seriously, yeah, yeah, Tim Curry's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> isn't he? In, in the, uh, just I, I remember watching that the TV movie of it like as a kid, and um, and not sleeping for a week. It's just again, again, it's another thing that eats eats children. Yeah, yeah, I sense the theme. <laughs> in fact now it feels a bit like therapy like i'm about to go so uh, i was partially eaten uh, by an animal uh, as a child and um, so uh, finally the tomorrow war um like it was gonna and i i, I mean this with respect because it's it's the new normal but I, I i do wonder like obviously it was gonna get a cinematic release and now it's going straight to Streaming, which, like yeah. I said, it's the new normal. And, I, you know, I am lucky enough to have a big TV uh, to watch yeah. stuff on. So I got to watch it on a big TV and it was great. However, I wonder as a filmmaker whether you do ever sort of go, ah, yeah, no, that's fine and that's cool. And I'm glad my movie's coming out there. But I would have loved to have sat in a theater and watched it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a movie that's a big movie. It's a big, plays big, uh, but it plays, you know, it, it, you know, uh, we, our intention was to make a theatrical, you know, film. That's, that's what we were. Yeah, you know, no, none of us knew the COVID, you know, uh, none of us could have predicted this. 
Um, but now that we're here, we, you know, we have to make, you know, the best decisions for the movie possible. It's an original sci-fi movie. It's uh, th that's a hard sell. Um, that's, a, you know, especially when you've got a, you've got, you know, planes lining up to, to land you know, week after week at the movie theater, big James Bond movies, Mar Marvel movies, DC movies, you know, Dune, you know, you know, you know, a million things that we're all, all of us, we're all looking for. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be first in line for all the Fast and Furious movies, things like that. Like they're all of these things that, you know, um, Quiet Place 2 and all that stuff. So it's understandable that they wanted to make a different choice. Now we also live in a world where streaming is, um, is a really, is actually really exciting for a couple of different, you know, from a couple of different standpoints and Amazon in particular, um, you know, where the movie's going to be released in 240 countries around the world simultaneously. So as a filmmaker who wants to, you know, have an audience and wants to present something to the biggest audience humanly possible, you know, being able to, you know, day and date, have your movie play to 240 countries around the world is pretty incredible. Um, and to have that be able to have that dialogue with, with an audience is amazing. We, we mixed the movie for theatrical. We also did a separate version of the movie for home. And so home theater sound, you know, best, you know, theater, uh, sound design for your, for a home viewing experience and the HDR version of this movie is the closest to what I saw with Dave Cole and Larry in the in Photochem and DI. So you're going to get the best resolution possible. It's looks, it looks like what I was looking at in the theater in Photochem. So to have that confidence to know that people are going to see it with the effects are going to play, that you know, that you're going to see the best version of the effects, you're going to see the best version of the scope and scale of the movie. That's a that you know as trade-offs go, that's a great trade-off, you know? And, and so I, to me, I'm really excited. I'm excited that people can watch it. We also, you know, I know people watch movies on their iPhones and iPads and things like that, but don't do yeah. that. <laughs> Maybe don't do that for this one. If, 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 if I offer, offer any advice, please uh, don't do that for this movie. But, um, but, you know, we, you know, obviously people have giant TVs and, you know, hopefully you can watch it on the biggest TV uh, you can find with the best sound and gather all your friends and check it out. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I fundamentally agree with everything you've just said. I, it's, um, I, it's an admission of mine. Like the, the thing that makes me cry uh, when I watch a film, uh, weirdly, it, it's not always the, the, the emotional uh, scene where, you know, the strings start playing and you're expected to cry. Uh, what makes me, not bawl my eyes out, you understand, but genuinely well up through sheer joy is, action sequences like hmm. uh, like beautiful action like the, the bit in the matrix where the helicopter goes over the side hmm. and neo's holding on and he mouths trinity and like the, the fucking the bus doing the jump in speed i well up every time when it makes the fucking jump and the the, the attack on i i don't think it's a spoiler because there's a little bit in the trailer but there's a i'll call it a sea-based attack yeah, there yeah. is there's about three moments like in a row in that there's the drones like mm. flying around, like spiraling around the pillar, shooting yeah. the white spikes. Oh, see, I'm going to go now just describing it. Cause I can remember it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's art, man. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's really, that's high praise. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's thank you.
Do you get so, that when you when you because it would it would upset me that you couldn't experience that because it's your own work? Are you sort of always sort of analyzing it, or can you sort of sit back and just watch that watch a scene like that and have the emotional response that someone like me does? I, I you know that's a, probably not today. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I think in time because you know still I mean, we just finished the movie in you know the end of the end of April or the end of uh, end of March, beginning of April. So it's only been a couple of months for us where we finally finished the last color correction, the last bit of sound mix. So it's been a short time to, uh, to be, you know, to really have a chance to have some perspective, you know? So I'm hoping that yeah, in time I'll be able to look at stuff. I mean, I'm just really proud of the crew and, and the cast who put in a lot of hard work and who, uh, really dedicated themselves to something, uh, and, and really, really, um, you know, made, uh, yeah, were dedicated and couldn't, and couldn't have worked harder or been more, um, you know, just giving of their time and their, and their creative energy. It was, uh, I was, and that's, those are the things that affect me emotionally. Like when I think about like just how, what a, what a great crew that I had, what a great cast that I had, that's the stuff that I write, that I reflect on now and just feel really appreciative of all, everyone's hard work and creativity. Well, so, okay. I'd like to add my thanks to your thanks for uh, making me pretend I wasn't crying on my sofa when in fact I was. <laughs> so, so thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you, Chris McKay. And congratulations again, man. Great film. Thank yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Hello, Alex Zane here. Thank you for choosing to listen to Just The Facts. And while you can still enjoy these episodes forever, you might want to check out our brand new show, A Trip To The Movies, where each week a different famous film fan curates their perfect night out at the cinema, picking what snacks they'd eat, where they'd sit, who they'd go with, and of course, what movies they'd screen. If you love cinema as much as we do, search A Trip to the Movies with Alex Zane or head to our socials at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod to find out more.